She lost her mom when she was 16. Now her motherhood journey is shaped by the fact that she has lived more years without her mom than with her. This is Lucy's story of how she refused to let her grief harden her, but instead used it to become a better friend, partner, and mom. A lot of people think being resilient to trauma means making yourself hard. I actually think that it's the other way around. Being resilient to trauma means that you have to be incredibly flexible and able to accept change. It's real. It's vulnerable. And it's everything mom or dad. Join us every week as we uncover the stories that make up a mom's life. The struggles we face behind the desk or in the drop-off line, all while tending to the wash. So settle in and cozy up. I'm Natalie. And I'm Katie. We're your hosts. Welcome to A Mom's Life. If you're enjoying A Mom's Life podcast, be sure to hit the subscribe button to wherever you're listening to us. You can also join the conversation on Facebook and Instagram at A Mom's Life Podcast. And if you have a story you'd like to share, visit our website at amomslifepodcast.com. So for a lot of people, Mother's Day is a happy day with celebrations and spa days. Yeah, for sure. But it's also really hard for people who want to but cannot become a mother. Or have lost a child. Or lost their parenting partner. Or lost their mother due to a strained relationship. Maybe lost their sibling. And of course, the big one, the loss of your mom. And that's our guest, Lucy. Now, Lucy, she's a colleague of mine um, who's quickly becoming a good friend. After the stillbirth of my son um, last year in 2019, which I talked about in episode nine, she so stepped up and was there. Uh, A week after it happened, she reached out to me. This is the cutest little story. She reached out to me with an email that simply said, my darling. And once you know Lucy, you'll, you'll get to know like she's, she's from the UK. So it was just so endearing. It was the sweetest thing and I'll never forget it. But she asked if um, she wanted to meet or if I wanted to meet for coffee. And I totally took her up on it, just needing someone to talk to at that point. And that's when I learned that, um, you know, she also had a loss. She lost her mom when she was 16, which is the story that we're sharing today. Yeah, and it has to be interesting for you. You know, they're different losses, but I think you and I have both talked a lot about the fact that grief, you go through the same emotions, probably no matter the loss. Obviously, there's different levels, but this one was really profound and, and it's really been tough for her, as has yours. As you mentioned, uh, Lucy is originally from the UK, but moved here to the US for school. She's been here ever since, and uh, she is somewhat of a new mom. She has a two year old little one. So today, Lucy is going to share her story of losing her mom and how that led to an eating disorder. And she's also going to talk about how she got through a really traumatic pregnancy and birth um, without her mom and some advice that she has for anyone who's lost their own mom or is still lucky enough to have theirs. This is Lucy's story. But what happens when you are raising a child without a mother? I think it's a... unimaginable for a lot of people but it's a reality for a lot of people it is and you know no matter what age if, if you've newly lost your mother or you uh you know lost her when you were young and so our guest today is lucy and she's going to shed some light on some of the um kind of hardships and things that she's learned welcome welcome Hello. hi hi <laughs> thank you for having me thank you for being here uh can you tell us you know tell us about your mom um, well, she, her name was Angela. Um, she died when I was 16 years old. 
16 is hard no matter what's <laughs> right. happening. And just, yes. just There's going, a lot going on. Just waking up and going to school and picking your outfit is hard. Mm-hmm. So going through something like that added to the teen years has to just be for someone who's not experienced almost unimaginable uh, well I'm not going to lie it was extremely traumatic and um, I was a little bit insane for <laughs> a couple of years and um, I kind of dealt with that I developed a quite a severe eating disorder um, to as a coping mechanism that took many years to to get over um, and I think I recovered from that in my mid-twenties um, so you, you, everyone has their own way of dealing with things. And, sure. Um, yeah. So that was my, my stress coping mechanism for a long time is controlling um, what I ate and how I ate. Um, and so then trying to learn whole new coping mechanisms as an adult that are healthy, but then also having a baby is enormously stressful. Um, so, yeah, having to learn new healthy ways to deal with stress. Well, let's talk about that. Your baby is now two. Have there been moments where you miss your mom even more now that you're a mom? Oh, constantly. Um, when she starts started hitting milestones, walking, words, um, eating food, things that you would immediately share with your mother or your, your family. Of course, I still have my father and my sister, so I'm not... I don't want to sound as if I'm just completely, you know, on my own with no one around. And um, it's, so it's it's turned to more of a positive thing than anything. Just wishing I, I could share the positive things with her rather than necessarily feeling that loss all over again. But that does happen. So, What types of things you mentioned, the things that you want to share with her that are positive. What about the, the really hard things of motherhood where you're... You know, the terrible twos that happen or, you know, you've Which had it just hit. Yeah, <laughs> that's like the hardest. Welcome, Welcome then, to it. And yes. then just FYI, the threes are really hard. Too. Right. They are. <laughs> Three teenagers. Yes, Three teenagers are a whole thing. But, you know, so obviously, I mean, I'm hearing you say you you wish she were here to share all those wonderful, positive milestones. Mm-hmm. What about the tough things? Is that is do you wish she were here for that, too? Um. One thing that I have to take a step back and not feel bitter about sometimes is the ability to be like, I can't handle this baby anymore. Here's a baby. I'm going to the, the store or something. And oh, I, of course, I do that with Brett and his family all lives here too. So um, I am quite lucky in that I do have a lot of people um, who I can call up and be like, I need some time can you babysit or I have a doctor's appointment can you babysit but at the same time you you can't really be too negative around extended family um you can't just be like this baby's driving me insane and I'm gonna leave her in a snowdrift if you don't (laughs) (laughs) something only like your per your intermediate family gets so even even like my mother-in-law she would take her in a heartbeat but at the same time, I, I, I'm quite, I have a very dry sense of humor. So for instance, me saying, I'm going to leave my baby in a snowdrift if you don't take her away from me. She'd be like, you're a monster. What oh, are you doing? Called okay. Child Protective Services. Exactly. Yeah. Where you're kind of just like, no, this just means I need a minute. I know. We all do. Yes. We do. We all do. <laughs> yes. That's, that's, yeah. So someone to lament to almost. Yes. And I, I do call my sister in the UK and she'll, she, she gets it, but it's, it's, different not having someone right here that I can 
also be negative too without being judged for being you know a bad mother or something sure (laughs) it's so true I think you know anybody I think even if you still have your mom here um I think we can all I know I can relate to that there are certain people who I can tell my my deep truths to Mm -hmm. and there are others who yeah they might have me arrested for my thoughts (laughs) I don't know yes um there's you present different levels of being a mother to different people like there's the facebook level which everything's <laughs> which wonderful everything's perfect, perfect. We we're just talking if about if you that looked too. at mine you would probably see that it's not i'm i like to put a lot of um mm-hmm. the silly stuff but not but i mean there's perfect too i mean mm-hmm. we we all do it right <laughs> you can't help but craft your own image and so yeah. there's different concentric layers of people that you can be real with essentially um and obviously for most people the, the mother is there is no wall there is no facade you're putting up to your own mother it's she sees everything good and bad um so trying to find those people that you can also because you you can't get away with just being perfect all the time or even (laughs) that sounds exhausting (laughs) not being vulnerable is exhausting so you have to find those people that you feel comfortable with being vulnerable and it has to be hard you mentioned uh right at the start of this uh, a word you might have made up, re-grieving. Tell, yes. tell us what that is to um, you. It's, grieving is, it's never a linear process. It's always ups and downs. And as, as you, as time goes on, the ups and downs get less extreme, but they're still there. And, you know, my mother died well, 16 years ago now. I've nearly haven't had her as long as I had her if that makes sense so that's kind of like an odd tipping point um in my life the last year actually that happened um the tipping point when I'd had less time with her than I've that must have been a really weird that has to be so weird it is um the extremes get less extreme um and it gets easier to deal with and the waves aren't quite as upsetting but then when you have a baby and you have this whole new set of highs and lows to deal with um you you have to regrieve the loss of your parent and especially your mother because traditionally obviously your mother is who teaches you how to parent um so you definitely have to regrieve the loss of that all over again in a whole new way do you do it all the time i mean annually monthly daily yes (laughs) (laughs) hourly Um, yeah it really probably depends above and it's all different um there's the the little things the milestones of um first words walking all the all the fun things that you want to share then there's things like christmas and mother's day and um birthdays not so much my birthday is terrible my birthday is new year's eve so oh like, yeah that's over. <laughs> i've never been that. one of those people who's had like made a big deal of their birthday the other thing i read and i think you touched on this a little bit is is mothering without a net um so i don't want to make it sound like i'm just completely on my own here but um at the same time i have made a very concerted effort to to find my tribe um, if you don't have that immediate family, which all of my family that I have left is in the UK. So um, everywhere I've lived in the US, I've made a, a 
definite effort to find a family and family can be just as much the one you choose as the one you were born with I know many people who all of their family is alive but for various reasons they don't communicate anymore so you know your parent being dead isn't necessarily the thing that will cause you to need to go out and find your own family um that's a very good point yeah how about your relationship with your spouse Mm -hmm. is that something that you have to rely on more heavily I think unusually we have a very strong relationship um and it continues to get stronger um I don't really understand when when people are like oh my husband's driving me mad or <laughs> or that they don't share things like we we share everything we are the first second and third person to talk with about every decision that we make um so I've come to rely on him a hundred percent for all of our decisions and we we share everything very very equally do you think that when with the loss of your mother came a stronger bond to the people that you decided to choose yes and no um it's very much the answer has been completely different depending on where I have been in my life um having someone so close to me die quite dramatically at such an early age really impacted my ability to form healthy relationships for a very long time so for the the earlier half of my um, adulthood it made it more difficult to create meaningful relationships actually healthy mutually beneficial meaningful relationships because there's always that sense of what if this person also leaves me what if I start investing emotion and love in this relationship and then it's just always there in the background. I mean, even even now, my worst fear, I have these completely illogical, you know, if, if Brett's away and I haven't heard from him in a while, I'm like, my brain goes, oh, he's dead. No. Yeah, <laughs> like, right? I think, a lo- I think that's just common after you have a loss, too. Yeah. Um, and especially with B, like I have repeated nightmares that she dies or I die is my absolute... I bet worst nightmare that that I would leave her in the same situation that I was left in, which is having to learn to do all these things on your own. What can you do right now um, to maybe prolong your legacy? Say something were to happen to you and you know the effects that it's had on you. How do you do you find yourself almost protecting B from that? I try not to. Um part of me still to this day wants to start writing things down and recording things that's for B, what mm-hmm. I want just to in ask. case something happens to me but then at the same time I know that that would be indulging the overly anxious side of my brain and if I think if I started actually doing that that would probably be bad for me in the long term you might go down a, yes. a spiral yep exactly keeping a good handle on my own mental health has been a very important part of that um, because, like I said, so many people I know have their parents here, um, but because one or both of them don't have good mental health and don't take care of themselves in that way, they don't have a good relationship. So essentially, what's the difference if you don't have your mother here because she's dead or you don't speak to her because she's crazy? What's the difference? So for me, 
my most important job as a mother is not only making sure that I'm here physically, but also that I'm in a good place to be her support system for the rest of her life. And I think that honestly, a lot of people don't do that. They don't even think about their mental health as being important for their own children. You know, in the last couple of years, the whole self-care movement has become much more popular but I still think that a lot more people need to take care of themselves first. Fit your own oxygen mask before trying to help others. Yeah, <laughs> preach. Truth. It's so true, though. I do think a lot of people need to, to take that advice yeah. to heart. And whether it's eating healthy, as you mentioned, quitting smoking, going to the gym, taking a walk. Taking time for yourself, though, too, to yeah. make sure that you are okay before, because then you can be a better parent. Mm-hmm. Are you bitter at all? Do you have any bitterness inside you through your motherhood journey, through losing your mother? Is um, bitter come up? Yes. <laughs> Talk about that. Um, mother's Day is a very hard one for me. Um, seeing people posting, we're going out for brunch and we're going for a girl's day at the spa. And it's it's so silly and it's so, in the grand scheme of things, inconsequential compared to everything else. But just being able to like go for a pedicure with your mother or um silly things at this point I'm, I'm glad that it's not big things that are still affected in my life and I'm glad that I'm at a healthy enough place in my life with a lot of work and a lot of therapy to get here <laughs> but um yes it's the little things that you can't replace with someone else that um I still feel quite bitter about, especially when people complain a lot about their mothers because their mothers want to be too up in their junk and they want to come over too much. And I mean, I understand, don't get me wrong. I, my home is my castle and I love my own space. I'm, I'm quite an introvert. Um, but at the same time, when people are like, oh, my mother's just here too much and loves my children too much, I'm like, yep, yep, you should, probably shouldn't complain to mm-hmm. me about that. I'm not the person to complain <laughs> complain to about that. Yeah, that's true. It puts a different perspective on it. I think, yeah, when I you've mean, yeah. suffered a loss like that, and I mean, you're, that's profound. That's one of the most profound losses that I think anyone can have is the loss of their mother. Uh, especially through the pregnancy and child rearing mm-hmm. and, and really throughout your whole life, it's going to affect everything you do. Mm-hmm. But I could see that. But and the pregnancy, I mean, you had a, a crazy pregnancy I too. Did. I um, had an incompetent cervix, which, uh, so I went actually into labor at 17 weeks, which was... Like full on labor? Oh, uh, contractions. Wow. And um, my cervix also started dilating and effacing at that time. Um, so every week from 17 weeks onward, I ha- we had to meet with a neonatologist and well, at first they didn't even really bother until I hit 24 weeks before 24 weeks. They were like, yeah, sorry. There's it happens. Whatever happens, nothing. happens. It's classes oh, of miscarriage geez. at that point. Oh my gosh. So as soon as we hit 24 weeks, then all of a sudden we're meeting with all of these super knowledgeable specialists saying, if, she, if she's born this week, she, there's this chance that she'll die and this chance that she'll be profoundly disabled, deaf, dumb, blind, dis, uh, all these different things that can go wrong. And you have to decide every week, do you want to resuscitate? Do you want us to take, you know, every life-saving measure possible? And at first, the answer is, was no for us. I mean, you, 
other people make different decisions. Sure. The most personal decision. It really is. For the first couple, couple weeks, it was like, no, I, you know, if she's born this week, you let her go. It's, mm-hmm. it's there's too much to overcome at that point. What a tough decision oh to have to make, even. Yeah, do I let my baby live? Do I try to do everything in my power, knowing in the balance of it how bad things can be on the other side? Um, these are the kind of decisions that no one should make. But those were also, again, times when I very profoundly felt the loss of someone who's supposed to be your closest confidant someone that you can be completely real with someone you can break down in a puddle of snot because I was a puddle of snot for like several months well and you mentioned just touching on re-grieving again so you were potentially grieving the loss of your child every week just yes. in case yep. after and then with that came the re-grievance of your mother mm-hmm. throughout the entire process Yes. And also, I mean, selfishly, and I, I've, this is part of my own self-care of being able to talk about this, grieving for myself. Because, you know, being pregnant, you imagine all these perfect scenarios and, oh, blowing bubbles and taking baths for the first time and dressing them in cute outfits. And then all of a sudden you're strapped to wires and cables and beeping things and being told that you know if your baby's born right now they'll probably be blind and profoundly disabled for their entire life you you have to grieve for yourself for the loss of this perfect child that you've created Mm. in your brain it's it's all a bit crazy so you but to have to go through that every week yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. and just the yeah the, the heaviness that comes with that yeah, it was. And you were on a bed rest a lot, right? I mean, that, what happened with that? So you finished, fin- tell us the end of that story. <laughs> so we actually made it through to 36 weeks by some complete miracle. Sure. Um, the on I went for my 36-week appointment with my OB, and she was like, I'm, I'm sending you home but just long enough to grab your bag because you're already seven centimeters dilated. Oh, wow. <laughs> Most people are, like, already screaming when they're seven centimeters dilated, and I didn't even know. Like, that's... And she's like, go get your bag. Yeah. And so then Brett is... Everyone on our street was out on their front porch, like laughing their ass off at Brett, who's running around <laughs> like a chicken without a head, trying to figure out how to put in a baby seat. And like, it <laughs> no was... one teaches you that. No. no oh my gosh, it's so, so annoying. <laughs> I hate putting in. Thinking baby back, seats. I don't know why we didn't do that before, given all that we were going through and the amount of preparations that we had to make. But I think it was just one of those things, like. If we ignore it, it's not going to happen. Yes. <laughs> it seemed like jinxing it kind of thing to put the baby seat in. So when it actually I get that. Happen. Yeah. I don't like to put the toddler seat in. Natalie and I just oh. had this conversation yesterday. Mm-hmm. I said, I don't want to have to take it out and put it in. What if I do it wrong? It's hard. It's you so go hard. To the fire station. That's right. And honestly, and have someone else do it. if you are yes. listening right now and you don't know that, that is one of the best tips in the world. The fire department will put it in and inspect it for you for free. Not everybody knows that, oh. especially like first time moms and you know what i know it and i still haven't done it though it's the best thing they will fix it for you and mm-hmm. test it and i send my husband out there and he comes in like 30 minutes later sweating. all really yeah, <laughs> yeah. sweating oh. and like cuts on his arm i'm yeah. like oh my gosh what happened to you it's you like you have a medical degree okay and <laughs> he does he does he does <laughs> it's hard it's hard 
Um, going back to I'm sorry you asked me about the rest of my pregnancy and I just concentrated on the happy end part but (laughs) no it was enormously stressful because I was on strict bed rest and luckily I'm a web designer um, and so I could work from home literally work from a lap desk in my bed while still looking at the ceiling with my legs propped up. Oh, um, gosh. I how, don't know. How awful, though. I mean, yeah. for months to be oh, it was crazy. confined to your bed. It was, I mean, there's a reason that gestation crates are banned for pigs in, in the, <laughs> when they, when pigs get pregnant and they just put mm-hmm. them in this tiny little crate and the pigs go insane. So they've been banned in I Europe. could see um, that. And I know why. I called my bed my gestation crate. Oh, my for- gosh. <laughs> My, because obviously Brett still had to go to work, so he got me like a little mini fridge and an electric kettle, so I could still make. Myself. Did you have a bell when he was there? <laughs> he was not there because he was obviously he had working work so much. Um, it was enormously difficult not just to be stuck in one place, staring at the same four walls um, all day, every day. Only allowed to you know get up to use the bathroom and shower and walk around for a couple minutes every hour. So I didn't get blood clots. Right. <laughs> but also to re- have to rely on other people for everything was very difficult for me. And especially when you're nesting. Like, oh, my oh, gosh. Everyone talks about the nesting part, but yeah. not being able to do anything. The, Brett and I never argue, or very rarely, I should say. The only time he's ever yelled at me and been actually mad at me I think I was about 35 weeks pregnant and he came home from work and I was up a stepladder in in the nursery hanging curtains and I didn't hear him come in and he came in and just opened the door and his face was just like, (gasps) I'm going to murder you. (laughs) Not really. But But as moms, we want to do it all and you needed those curtains up to bring that baby home. And I kept telling him, put the curtains up, put the curtains up and he didn't put the curtains up. You're going to do it yourself. Oh, I've done that. (laughs) I've done that. Well, and you're a body too. I know. I was a whale up a step platter and it was in yeah. balance yeah and the strength like did you lose that I mean I did that's what I oh think. my gosh your muscles waste away so quickly I was shocked because I think I at my most pregnant I think I was probably 160 pounds mm-hmm. which I'm usually about 135 and yeah so that's not insane but at the same time I lost a lot of muscle Right, just like getting back to like using muscles that you Mm -hmm. haven't used. It was very weak. Can I ask you, has the loss of your mother prepared you for things? Because it was so profound and you were so young. I'm I'm a lot more difficult to rattle than most people. Yeah. I think Um, I have a very high tolerance for bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) But at the same time... I can, it can keep mounting up and mounting up and everyone has a breaking point. But I think my breaking point is quite a lot higher for extremely stressful situations than most people just because, I mean, in comparison to that, once you've got through that and come out relatively unscathed on the other side, you can kind of handle anything after that. So, Including your pregnancy and bed rest and all of that. Yes. It, um, I'm not going to lie and say that that didn't, that wasn't very difficult to deal with emotionally and physically at the same time. But yeah, I think it was a lot easier to deal with because once you've been through something so bad, 
other things are less bad in comparison. And I think that you, I mean, just speaking from my own experience after we lost Samuel, I mean, you reached out and, you know, you're like, let's go grab coffee. Mm -hmm. And you were very open with wanting to, you know, asking questions and seeing how I was doing at the time. So does that help you become more compassionate to other people's losses as well? Yes. Um, You learn the hard way. Um, People don't deal with death well at all i mean that sounds duh really like no one deals with death well but when you are at the center of a profound loss people disappear and people that they say i i just don't know what to say to you there's nothing you can say and this goes for any loss parent child anyone in your family sisters whatever there's nothing you can say to make it better, so don't try. But a lot of people will just be like, oh, I, did, I, did, I don't know what to say. I feel uncomfortable being around you. Like, your loss is so palpable that most people w- will stay away. It's like anathema to... Or it's like they can get it. It's yeah, like, like you're going to catch the death or something. But I'm the other way around. Like, when someone I know goes through such a profound loss, I want to go towards them because I know what it's like to lose people not just the death but then all of your friends and your family that you would imagine would be there and you thought would be there and then all of a sudden they're not because they don't know how to deal with it so it's made me a lot more compassionate to people and just realizing that I don't need you to entertain me I don't need you to make me feel good I just want to make sure that you're okay. And sometimes that just means stay in your yoga pants. I don't care what you look like. I don't care if you're wearing makeup. Leave the house. Come get coffee. Just get out of your funk for 15 minutes and try and try and break the cycle that most people get stuck in. What do you say to someone who's listening to this who is in your shoes maybe lost their mother when they were young, maybe lost their mother last month, or maybe is about to lose their mother. Um, Perhaps embarking on a pregnancy journey, maybe already has kids, but mothering without your mother present. What, if you could speak to them, and and perhaps you are right now, Mm -hmm. and maybe not only just to them, but to their spouse or their partner, what, what do you say? This sounds awful, but it's, it's never going to end. Um, and you have to deal with that now Um, it's not going to get better it's going to get easier to deal with and you have to continually realize that this is not a finished process no matter how far away you are from the death of your loved one it's always going to be with you and you're always going to be dealing with it and so you just have to try and make yourself yourself as resilient as possible a lot of people think being resilient to trauma means making yourself hard I actually think that it's the other way around being resilient to trauma means that you have to be incredibly flexible and able to accept change um, a lot more than most people are able to most people are very resistant to change and to asking for help um you're always going to be grieving there's always going to be a hole left and so you just have to continually 
have to learn and relearn and learn and relearn how to deal with that at every stage in life. For your, you had mentioned uh, remembering. Is part of filling that hole remembering? That's a new one for me is um, trying to find ways to remember my mother in a way that Beatrix, my daughter, um, will understand. And I still haven't quite figured that out. I'm still working that one out for myself. Um, So far for me, that's included music. Um, I listen to ABBA and Elton John and um, the Osmonds, all music that my mother loved and that was constantly in her CD changer in her car. So every time I listen to ABBA, I think of my mother. I love that. And B loves disco, which is Aww, that's <laughs> so cute. That's so we, we listen to disco a lot in Dance Around in the Kitchen. And um, I've started telling her, like, this is, this is grandma's favorite song. And so I'm, I'm trying. Um, it's, it's very difficult for me because it's odd. When someone dies, people stop talking about them all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Even years later, my dad still finds it quite difficult to talk about my mother. Um, so trying to find ways to introduce my mother into conversations with my daughter in an age-appropriate manner is proving quite challenging. Um, but I'm, I'm trying. I'm learning. <laughs> it's difficult when you don't remember too much. So I, I have to go on things like colors and dresses and styles of clothing and the way that she wore her hair and... Um, these are all very childlike things to remember about a child, about a mother, but that's all I have to go on. So, yeah. Do you see um, any bits of your mother in your daughter? I see a lot of myself in her. And of course, I looked a lot, look a lot like my mother did. So there are certain um, things that I, I see reflected in that. One thing I, I do find interesting is um, I keep a lot of pictures up of my family growing Uh, growing up um, on our walls and showing some photos of my mum and dad to Beatrix and said who's that and she thinks that my mother is me so that has been um, bittersweet also because we we do look quite a lot alike and so I'll point to the picture of my mother and say who's that and she'll say mummy it's bittersweet yeah but sad at the same time oh Well, your reality is what you make it. I, I mean, from an outsider looking at it, it seems like you're doing a beautiful job. I know. It really <laughs> so does. Too. It's, it's taken a lot of, a lot of therapy. <laughs> um, that would be another thing I'd say to people who've been through a profound loss. Even if you think that you're dealing with it well, um, therapists aren't the sole preserve of the crazy. Like, you don't have to be in a really bad mental place to to find some good in in getting therapy like these are people who are trained very very highly on how to deal with different problems that you're having how to teach you good coping mechanisms and ways to handle stress and problems in your life even if you just go once or twice and say look I'm having trouble thinking through this I'm having trouble thinking through this this one issue can you talk it through with me um i would very highly recommend therapy to anyone who's suffered a profound loss to anyone 
you don't have to go for the rest of your life or even for months just even once or twice having someone who's an impartial highly trained person to talk with um, is very helpful yeah that's so that's a good point yeah. <laughs> a lot of people don't that's think really that way good advice thank you for sharing your story thank you thank yes you for having me yeah now it's time for our minute with mike Mike's an independent licensed social worker who has worked in everything from higher education to family counseling. He's providing a unique perspective to our topics with more than 30 years of helping people with life's challenges. Natalie, that episode, I feel like for me, was it was a powerful one. It was so powerful. And just listening to her speak, as we've mentioned, she has just this beautifully eloquent voice. Right. <laughs> um, but talking about such a tough topic, and I am blessed to have my mother here, as are you, yes. and to have the relationship I have with my kids. And I just, I think that's like a huge fear for most moms. It's like, how do we do it without Yeah, mom? or something happening to me and my kids not yes. being, the whole thing, you know, losing your mom when she was 16 and then going through this. Just losing any parent would be so traumatic. And she spoke to that so well um, about how that, you know, impacted her life and, and in her, her parenting. So if you could shed some light on on how, you know, people grieve, and I know it's every, everybody's different, but how that translates to something like an eating disorder. I think in, you know, Lucy, her story is is certainly unique to her as it would be to anybody that loses a parent at 16, at 12, at 8. Uh, how one copes uh, really is dictated by so many different variables. And coping after a loss uh, can see us uh, not at our best for for certainly a number of months, uh, half a year, sometimes even longer, uh, just depending on that different person and their personality. It just rocks our world in a way, and we sometimes turn to behaviors that we believe we can control, but many times paradoxically, they just kind of add to our being more out of control until at least through self-understanding or through some help of some outsiders that gets us back on a better and healthier path. And you know, on that better and healthier path, you're going to stumble, you're going to be, things are going to be going great. And then the thing that Lucy mentioned was something happens, good or bad, graduation, uh, have a baby, baby's sick, baby has first birthday, and you almost go through a re-grieving process all over again. Is that common? Yeah, that's, I think, very common. And I, you know, I think the grief is not as intense as obviously the initial loss, but it is a, it's a pretty poignant reminder uh, at that graduation where mom is not sitting out in the audience, at graduation from college where I walk and receive my diploma, uh, the birth of my child, and the marriage uh, that I, I really would have wished my mother could have been for all those important parts does remind us uh, pretty, pretty keenly of, of that loss. But generally it's not as powerful as it was the day that parent was lost. If someone has recently lost a parent or has a parent that is sick and is about to, would you recommend, uh, you know, some form of counseling to help get them through that while it's happening or immediately after? Does everyone need to do that? I think it, it really is a personal decision, you know, and, I, and one that really you have to make for yourself. I, I would never suggest that everybody should go and seek out someone to talk to. There are, though, a, a lot of benefits of talking to people who have been through it in 
And many times a group format can be very helpful in that regard uh, versus even individual therapy. Uh, and, and those groups usually are ongoing and you can kind of participate as you want to, leave when you want to. Some are a bit more structured, but they can be very helpful. I think, uh, you know, I've heard multiple times, you've said it, you've told it to me, grief is not a linear process. And I'm learning that every day. Yes, you are. And so are so many people and probably a lot of our listeners as well. So we hope this maybe sheds some light. If you have lost a parent, maybe this was helpful to you in some way. We hope so. Yeah. And thank you, Mike. Thank you. Thank you.